This can be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And good morning. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning. I know I am because we're here. Thought we were going to have some little issues to kind of get things started on a Saturday morning. Wouldn't be wouldn't be a Saturday without something interesting going down. But we had some issues. A little bit more, let's just say everything was on fire, but we got everything, all those fires taken out. And we're here with you live and in living color here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hopefully, you're having a good Saturday morning. However, you're doing so, you know, even if you're out there drinking that first, maybe, maybe a second cup of coffee. If you've been pulling those all nighters, or better, you're popping that first top. You're out there cutting the grass, even though, considering how much it's raining, it might be a little tough to cut the grass on a Saturday morning. So hopefully, you're out there making it a good, if not great one, because it is absolutely beautiful outside today, and I'm absolutely here for it. Definitely a loaded show for you coming up over the next two hours. And boy, oh boy, how about that Saints preseason game last night? I was definitely intrigued by the fact that the special teams were the best highlight of the game. Yes, Ian booked through a nice touchdown pass to Chris Olave, but I think that was more on Olave than, you know, Ian Book, who threw 113 yards passing, a couple turnovers. Like, Guy has just not been the person I think Sean Payton was man-crushing over in the 2021 NFL draft, and I'm going to try not to bash him too, too much on this Saturday morning. Because honestly, I've done enough of that as it is. I mean, last year, whenever he got drafted, the moment he got drafted, people who were listening in heard me damn near break down mentally. Now, I've already done that probably multiple times over the years, but there's no doubt in my mind that was probably one of the worst picks that the Saints have made in terms of a quarterback in a long time. And there's a reason why I think the Saints never really draft that many quarterbacks to begin with because they always wind up whiffing and when I say whiff, I mean whiff hard. But we're that much closer to, to LSU starting up against Florida State. We're going to get some more information, some more details about what's going on over in Tiger Country at the bottom of the hour. But I want to stick with that for a second. Because we got some big news earlier this week concerning Miles Brennan. That felt kind of inevitable, to be honest with you. From my perspective, I could be wrong. But... I want to get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testifies? It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. Admittedly, I was still caught off guard, even though it felt like inevitable that the news was going to come that Miles Brennan was going to step away from the sport of football. 
It came down on Monday. And this is a guy, again, the pride of St. Stanislaus. The guy absolutely was one of those key cogs for Ed Ogeron during his first recruiting class. Not his first full recruiting class. There's a big difference. But we all knew there was potential for him to be there as one of those greats that we talk about when it comes to LSU football quarterbacks, which are very few and far between. I think there's a difference between great like a Joe Burrow and a very good in a Danny Atling. Matt Flynn was a great LSU quarterback, but I think there's there's a difference between truly great and all-time quarterback like Joe Burrow was. There's a very big difference. But we knew the potential for him to be in that list of guys like Danny Etling, Matt Flynn, even Jamarcus Russell. Like, there's guys on that list that we can all agree. In the context, in the bubble of LSU, they were great to elite. But I think he could have been one of those guys that winds up on that list. But now it's not there anymore because he's he had the time. He spent the time putting on a little extra weight, being under the system, getting some seasoning, because it's a lot different going from high school when you're playing in the state of Mississippi and you're setting state records as a quarterback to playing in the SEC where it just means more. And, of course, he had multiple opportunities, but he stepped away from the sport that I think he does love, maybe not as much as other things, which which we'll talk about in a minute. But it was more because his final shot, his final opportunity, just wasn't good enough. And again, I think that may have just been the writing was on the wall before he even came back to the program. Whenever they got Jaden Daniels a transfer to come over. Because when you get a transfer, more often than not, you're using him as a starting quarterback. Case in point, C, Etling, comma, Danny. Burrow, comma, Joe. But I'm not going to call him a quitter. Or call him soft, I should say. Because you can factually call him a quitter because he did quit the team. But at the same time, there was some reason, other reasons behind it. I think he wound up probably being smart when it comes down to it. Because he could have bounced after his first year, if we're being quite honest. Because if he felt like he could have played somewhere else and gotten a starting job somewhere else, he could have just turned tail and ran after his first year once he realized, hey, they just got another transfer in Joe Burrow. There's no bleeping way I'm seeing the field, especially with this quarterback room. How crazy is that? But now he's sitting here in 2022, and he's no longer part of the team. He stepped away from the program after sticking around and waiting his turn because he felt like he knew it was coming. Now, he did get that opportunity, but he fell short in a lot of different ways. I think it's more because of the fact that he got thrown into a year where it was a bleep show from the second you had things go. Like, second you heard the word go. It was the most turbulent year in college athletics and the most turbulent time in my lifetime with the pandemic. You didn't know if you were going to have a season. Didn't you have a season, an abbreviated fall camp? I guarantee you that was a lot to deal with. And then his time as a starting quarterback for the Tigers was very short-lived. After suffering an abdominal injury 
that further derailed a season that was already looking a lot like Tigerland after 2 a.m., after closing time. I would never call him soft because I think a lot of people forget that he played through an injury, that abdominal injury, during the second half of the contest against Mizzou. I think a lot of us, if we suffered an abdominal injury, we wouldn't be able to play an entire second half of football, be it against Mizzou or the Little Sisters of the Poor. There's no reason why anyone should call him soft after everything that he went through. If anything, you should call him savvy. Because he's managed to finesse his way into some really nice paydays without even stepping on the field. Because if you didn't know that he came back after entering the transfer portal, which is a rare thing to see, but he also kind of turned around, collected his NIL deal that he's got with a lot of different companies. I know he's got Smoothie King and stuff like that. He managed to pretty much finesse his way into a really nice deal. And since he, since the contracts that he signed aren't based on performance like you see in the NFL or the AFL or the XFL or any other league that's going on, it's not based on performance. So basically, he's not stepping foot on the field yeah, he's going to be bringing in probably, I'd say, tens of thousands of dollars. I could be wrong on that number, but I wouldn't be far off, I don't think. Tens of thousands of dollars. Might as well call him Steve Miller rather than Miles Brennan because he's taking the money and running to the nearest duck blind this fall instead of running through the tunnel at Tiger Stadium. And that's what I want to kind of hit on. I feel like he loved football, but he loved hunting and fishing a whole hell of a lot more. And again, what do you expect from a good old boy from the South that spent a lot of time in St. Stanislaus, which, by the way, is a boarding school, more or less, if you didn't know. But now he can focus on that. He's got a, he's got a fiancé. Dude's absolutely enjoying his life. And at the end of the day, I got to love it. Because he is absolutely the smartest son of a gun I've seen in a long time. Just go ahead and, and give him a little round of applause for that. And I'll also say thank you, Miles Brennan, for all you've contributed to LSU because he's put forth some effort. But at the same time, after suffering that abdominal injury, damn near having a surgery named after him, a lot like Tommy John. Now, we kind of have a little bit of a clearer picture. Now, I think it was always kind of likely because going back to what I said earlier, if you're a team and you get a transfer quarterback like a Jaden Daniels, like a Joe Burrow, like a Danny Edling, odds are you're going to use him as a starter. Don't believe me? Go look at what the Cajuns did a number of years ago with guys like Andre Nunez and more notably Anthony Jennings. They immediately got a shot to start. They immediately just rose up to the top of the depth charts out of nowhere. There's a lot of people who don't remember that era of the Cajuns. I think there's some people who want to forget that era of the Cajuns. But that's a different conversation for a different day. But it feels more and more likely Jaden Daniels will be the starter at least for the first game. Outside of that, no clue. Because we've heard good things about Garrett Nussmeyer. But I think Daniels could be the direction this team goes. Especially because he's a more mobile quarterback. It could be completely off base here. But that's where I kind of... Stand in the here and now. Maybe Glenn Gilbo, who joins us at the bottom of the hour, 
can give us a much better perspective on who is really the leader of the pack there. That said, it is disappointing to see Miles Brennan. He doesn't, he's not going to go down as one of the greats in LSU history. And when it comes down to it, I said it earlier, the quarterback position at LSU has been very feast or famine. You have some great quarterbacks, but in between that, it's been a bit of a mess over the last several years of the program's history. It looks like things are getting a little bit better now that you've got guys like Walker Howard in there. Would have been great to get Arch Manning, but that didn't feel like it was ever going to be a possibility. But knowing that we're probably going to see Jaden Daniels lead the way, I think that's going to be an interesting choice for the one and only Brian Kelly's first ever year as the head of the table over at LSU. Could he have done better? I think there's a good chance. But it, he just had a lot of things happen to him and the team in general that caused the 2020 season to be a reminder, a case of what might have been. Here's the thing. I'm not Dr. Strange. I'm not here to kind of say what could go right or what could go wrong and delve into a multiverse and put that answer out for you as much as I'd like to. But at the end of the day, we're looking at what we had, and it was pretty mid. Now, again, you only got a handful of games of him starting at LSU. But the games he played weren't necessarily the best, and it wasn't necessar- it wasn't all on him. I mean, are you going to put the Mississippi State game on him? The Mississippi State game, that was almost entirely on the defensive effort or lack thereof. They made K.J. Costello, who didn't play a single down last night in the penultimate preseason game, which, by the way, I'm glad that we're not getting you know, four preseason games. We're getting three going forward. I'd much rather there be none. That's just my humble opinion, but I know the NFL is greedy, greedy, greedy. That's all I got for this opening segment. When we come back, I've still got a lot of fire in my belly, so I feel like kind of putting a certain television property in my crosshairs with their streaming product. I'll talk about that next and so much more. If you want to talk about what I was just discussing, the whole thing with Miles Brennan, you can call me up, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. We got Glenn Gilbo. He'll be joining the program at 1030, talking LSU football, also his new book, talking about the legacy of Skip Bertman, Everything Matters in Baseball is the title level. We'll discuss that and more with him at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Got Glenn Gilbo joining the program in about nine or ten minutes. 
But in the meantime, and in between time, I got time for you. 337 706-0111. 337-706-0111. Appreciate you listening in. I know we had some little issues before I kind of strolled into the game studios, but those issues are fixed. Appreciate you listening in wherever you are, be it through the FM dial here in the heart of the Cadiana, 1037 or 1041 out in Lake Charles if you're heading more towards the Kinder area. Right around there is when you need to kind of turn that dial a couple notches over to get to 1041. But I want to rant on something that I, I saw the other day that absolutely perplexed me and then just reminded me how much of a complete mess the Pelicans broadcasting situation is. It continues to be a head-scratcher and just complete idiocy. And it's because of Bally Sports. And for those who don't know all this stuff going on, I'm going to go ahead and recap it for you real quick. That the Fox Sports Regional Sports Networks that we used to love back in the day when we had the Astros, now it's the Rangers, which is just a whole different thing I don't want to talk about. Thanks a lot, Root Sports. But besides that, a couple years ago, when the four-letter network and Disney bought Fox, essentially, and took over that property, they had to get rid of the Fox Sports RSNs because of some legalities and also just to make sure they don't have a monopoly on the industry because they kind of sort of did at that point in time. But Fox Sports, their RSNs, the regional sports networks, for those who don't know acronyms, had to be sold, and Sinclair Broadcasting bought those. I believe this was back early on the pandemic or somewhere during it. And in the last year, they've rebranded it as Bally Sports, which is a fine branding. But it's been a complete and utter mess for a lot of different people when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, it's the team that we talk about the most here, and they're the team that we can watch on our local Bally Sports if our providers do even have it. Full disclosure, my provider doesn't even have that option to watch Pelicans games. So when they drop this news about Bally Sports Plus, it's going to be dropping next month, and they decide to throw down and triple down on stupidity and bad decisions because the quality of the broadcast at times have been substandard, to say the very least. And then, again, not every cable provider has it. So if you're a Pelicans fan and you've got LUS Fiber or any other provider, you are SOL. You are going to have to find another way to watch your favorite team. But wait. Bally Sports has an idea. And they said, here's Bally Sports Plus. That way you can watch your favorite NBA and NHL teams anytime, anywhere, live in living color through our streaming service. Again, everybody has a streaming service these days. That's all fine and dandy. But now, you want us to pay how much for this? There's always a catch. And you always want to wonder, because again, you've already probably got enough streaming services out there, like Netflix, Hulu, that you're paying for. If you're a wrestling fan, Peacock, Fight TV, any one of those. You've got a lot of things that you're looking at. If you're a sports fan, you've already got the four-letter networks plus package, more likely than not. And if you're a UFC fan, you're paying every month for a pay-per-view through the plus, which is still a dumb business model. But I guess it works for Dana White. That's the only reason why they're on the plus to begin with, at least in my heart of hearts. 
So how much are you having to pay? Well, you're having to pay $20 a month or a crisp $180 in cold hard cash a year for their service, which you haven't even seen a proof of concept to say, hey, I want to throw down some money on this. And I'll admit it, I'm not a big Pelicans fan, but I want to see what this team looks like. There's some intrigue with this franchise in 2022-2023. You had a really good season where you outkicked your coverage. You got to the postseason, which is something I don't think many people expected you to do. You got through a playing tournament and got to the first round of the NBA playoffs. That is great. And you did that without Zion Williamson. You did that. Now, what happens after that? What happens when you have Zion Williamson and crew and you have a full, healthy team? That's going to be the most intriguing team to see because how does an 82-game season look with Zion Williamson? Does he miss a few games here and there? Sure. Everybody misses a few games here and there. But I'm intrigued. But I'm not intrigued enough to spend $20 a month to watch Pelicans games. $20 is a little too much. I'm sure it's a little too much for a lot of people. Because especially if you're paying for a lot of other different services already, it's going to wind up adding up. And you're going to want making some tough decisions in terms of what to cut in terms of your streaming services. Which is another reason why I think the streaming services have become even worse than cable television. But seriously, what universe are you paying for a streaming service for $20 a month, essentially for one team, for one reason? Like, seriously, you are paying $20 a month to watch 82 games a year. If you're strictly a Pelicans fan, I think that the Fox Sports New Orleans might carry the Dallas Stars. I don't remember. I know the or Bally Sports, excuse me. I know the old Fox Sports used to carry some Stars games along with the Rangers, which is always weird to me. But that's besides the point. But that's worth just as much as a premium Netflix account that has tens of thousands of movies, TV shows, and apparently video games. I saw something about it the other day. But in what world is that worth? Is that on a equivalency where you have a premium service with one game? With one team for the NBA, or in some other markets where you have NBA and NHL. You can't watch the MLB games on there. No, no, no. You've got to go to the MLB at Bad App if you want to watch that. Of course, if you're not being blacked out because, spoilers, you have a, you're have you in a certain area where you can't watch the Astros on the MLB at Bad App. Or, better yet, even if they're on national television like TBS and you can't watch the Astros, which is still boggles the mind, but I can live with it because, again, the MLB has done some stupid crap. But Valley Sports may be the king of bad decisions. And I love Antonio Daniels and Joe Myers. Joe Myers, absolutely great guys. But I might not be watching those games because the price is a little bit too steep, at least through the way they want me to. Through the way they want me to, I am definitely not watching a single game on their Bally Sports Plus. $20 a month? Are you kidding me? Peacock is like $5 a month. And if you have a cable provider, 
you get it basically for free. It's at, it's it's Lanya or Lanya, depending on what side of the interstate you're from. You've got that, and then you've got everything else. Like the plus is nine ninety nine. You get like tens of thousands of hours of content, but you've got hundreds of hours of content through Bally Sports Plus for twenty dollars a month. Are you out of your bleeping mind? I've never wished like for a downfall of a company, but my God, a downfall of a company like that, Bally Sports, you are digging your own grave, Jack. That's just my humble opinion. We'll be back with more. We're going to talk LSU Tigers and get an idea of what's going on in the capital city with our guy Glenn Gilbo of OutKick. We'll get to that and also talk about his new book next right here on Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And without further ado, let's get out to the game hotline to bring on our first guest the show. He's been a longtime reporter for LSU football and now covers the Southeastern Conference as a whole for OutKick. He also recently dropped a new book we'll talk about later on about the legendary Skip Bertman titled Everything Matters in Baseball, and he is Glenn Gilbo. Glenn, how you doing? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's definitely a lot better weather than it was yesterday afternoon, I'll tell you that much. Right after I left, the station was pouring down rain. I'm sure maybe it might have been more of the same for you. But let's start off with LSU's fall camp. Are we any closer to an idea of who the starting quarterback will be against Florida State in about three weeks? Yeah, I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels, who um, I really kind of thought it was going to be him as soon as he transferred. He was a three-year starter at Arizona State, and he's got uh, you know a lot more mobility than uh, definitely more than Miles Brennan had, and and uh, more than than Nussmeyer and. Their offensive line is not going to be that good, so they're going to really need a quarterback who can who can move. So, I think Jaden is is uh, all along was going to be the starter. Looking at the running back room, I think that's been the point of frustration for a lot of people because you hear a lot about John Emery, how much it's been his time, but lo and behold, Noah Kane has kind of taken that role at least to a certain extent based off of everything that we're hearing is he feels like he's the leader in the clubhouse at running back. Yeah, it's going to be him. And I, I think uh, Armani is, uh, is is after him. I think Emery is probably third team. He's just a guy who uh, who just never developed, uh, you know, a high uh, five-star prospect, but just has not uh, has not developed. So uh, I think Kane is a, is a decent back, but they're not uh, – they're not very talented back there overall. 
And it's very unusual to see that, especially because you think about the history of LSU football, especially over the last, let's say, 25, 30 years. You've been, like, had just a, even absolutely in a surplus of great running backs going back to Kevin Falk and even going towards recent history like Clyde Edwards Alaire, Leonard Fournette, Darius Guys, the list goes on and on and on. But it's weird to see that, but I think now it's starting to be more modernized with a lot of great talent at wide receiver as well as tied in with a guy like Jack Besh out of St. Thomas Moore. Yeah, well, that was just one of their recruiting slips uh, at, at running back. You know, they really haven't had a, a great back since since Geis, really. Uh, that's something that Kelly's going to have to improve upon in, in recruiting. Uh, you know, ov- overall, this this roster is just is just not great. Uh, I would say wide receiver and defensive line is the only uh, positions that are uh, at the talent level LSU had. You know, in 2019, the last time they were a good team. Talk right now with Glenn Gilbo covers the Southeastern Conference for Outkick. And what have you taken away from what we've seen during fall camp? Because it's a lot different than what we had seen in the last several years. In fact, I was talking with Jacques Toussaint last week, and I think the first time in almost over 20 years where you kind of have not, not unfettered access, but you have a lot more access to watch plenty of practice, especially when they have those scrimmages. I think that's probably my biggest takeaway is that it feels like a entirely new era where things are a lot more wide open right but that doesn't mean the team's better <laughs> it is it is it great gives you a better that, idea uh, though <laughs> it is great that there's more access and i mean uh talking to people who've gone to practice every day walker howard is the best looking quarterback uh on campus you know and uh i think that's going to develop as the season goes on I, I think you i think there's a chance you might you know the the plan is is to is to play Walker no more than four games uh, so he can be redshirted. But, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels is not a great quarterback. He's not that accurate. He's the best they have. But, um, I mean, he's the best they have of the ones who who played. But I, I think you may see Walker play more if LSU doesn't start uh, doesn't start the season real well. Because he's, he's the future, and, and I'm told he's, he's played the best in camp. So it'd be if we were putting together a depth chart for week one, we'd probably have Jaden Daniels, number one, and then you have Walker Hour two, Nussmeyer three? Well, I, I think I think Walker might still be number three, but but that's because they want to redshirt him. I think you you could you could see Walker starting at midseason if the first two don't do that well. And and uh there's a chance of that happening. I mean I wrote a that's, I have a column about that that's up right now at Outkick. You know, Garrett has been erratic, and Jaden has had uh, accuracy issues. And this team is not supposed to be more than an eight-win team anyway. So I think it behooves Kelly, who's a first-year coach under no pressure in his first year, I would say, to to play younger guys, especially if the older guys are only a little bit better or not even better than the younger guys and and that because the more walker howard would play this year the better he'll be next year and you talk about what's going on i mean let's kind of go around the sec for a minute because i think we all know who number one and number two is in terms of the sec power rankings but who's at number three because it feels like it's a very much crowded house and not a 
clear contender for that number three slot. Yeah, well, I think think Alabama is number one with what they have coming back, and I I think there's a drop there because after that because, you know, you're probably thinking Georgia's number two, and they might be, but they lost a lot of players. Um, So I just don't know if they're going to be quite what they were last year. And after that, you know, um, I really like Arkansas, but uh, there's a lot of question marks around the SEC. You know, Florida is a lot like LSU, not much of a roster coming back. Uh, Auburn is not going to be that good. I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss are kind of middle of the road, kind of like LSU. I think Tennessee might be on that second tier uh, along with Arkansas. Uh, though they weren't ranked. I was surprised they weren't ranked uh, going into the season. They were the top vote-getter after the top 25. But, you know, their quarterback's coming back, too, just like Arkansas. So I think I think you might see Tennessee and Arkansas be above the rest underneath Alabama. Talking now, Glenn Gilbo, part of OutKick and also the author of the book, Everything Matters in Baseball, the Skip Bertman story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it and what you can kind of expect when you get this thing in the mail and give people an idea of how they can get a copy. Yeah, just go to uh, AcadianHouse.com slash sports and you, you can order the book. That's uh, Acadian House right there in Lafayette. So you, you can get the book really quick if you're in Lafayette. And I've had friends in New Orleans get the book within a day or two. So uh, AcadianHouse.com. And um, I think the book will bring people back to, to when Skip was coaching and, and when the old Alex Box was still around. There's a lot about the, the five national champions and, and the other teams like the 89 team uh, that upset Texas A&M. And, and there's a history of Skip from when he was at Miami. And then um, there's a lot about when Skip became athletic director which um, you know, a lot of people forget. He's, he's probably one of the better athletic directors LSU has ever had with the hires he made, and he brought in the ticket licensing plan, which LSU was out of date with, before he came in there. Uh, but uh, it, uh, it'll, it'll, rem- it'll remind you of, of what you already know about LSU baseball, and maybe you might learn something that you didn't know or forgot. And, you know, you brought up the fact of his athletic director, his time as the AD at LSU. I think without a doubt he probably was, if not, like as of right now, I think he is one of the best athletic directors that LSU has had just because of what he was able to do, made a lot of changes, and more importantly was able to make a lot of great hires and kind of get LSU, namely on the football front, kind of in that next level. Because to a certain extent at that point in time, that program had a certain glass ceiling on, but once you got Nick Saban and then Les Miles, the program was off to the races. Well, well, Saban was already really uh, was on the way when, when Skip became athletic director, but there's a part in the book about how Skip tried to keep Saban at LSU and how Saban regretted leaving LSU uh, for the NFL. That's an interesting chapter, I hope. And, uh, you know, Skip hired four coaches who won national championships, Les Miles, Paul Maneri, uh, Chuck Winstead in golf, and, and Dennis Shaver in, in track. So that's nine national championships he's, he's responsible for. And he brought in that ticket licensing plan, really kind of sold it to everybody, whereas maybe nobody else could have because it made the tickets really expensive. 
And then he also, you know, engineered and, and planned a great baseball stadium that was state-of-the-art and is still pretty much state-of-the-art, the, the new baseball stadium at LSU that opened in 09. That was, that was his baby for, for years. Uh, so, um, and, and he also had a, a, a real unique marketing genius that's explained in the book as well. That's interesting, and you know, you brought up the fact that I, apparently Nick Saban did have some regrets about leaving LSU to go to the NFL. Obviously, the NFL stuff didn't work out, and he wound up going to Alabama and the rest, as they say, is history. But if he stayed at LSU, just putting on the what-if hat, if he stayed at LSU, would the program have continued to kind of roll and, more importantly, won more national titles? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I, I think he he's even he he says this in the book in an interview I did with him at the uh, in Destin in 2019, I think it was. Uh, yeah, um, you know, it was it's easier to recruit at LSU than Alabama. You don't have to go as far. There's more talent in the state, uh, and I and what you got to remember is when Les Miles walked into LSU, there were uh, there were more than uh, 30 players that Saban recruited and signed and coached still in the program in 2007. You know, like his third season, that, that team that won the national championship, the roster was still, three years later, very much Saban players. And that, that's almost unprecedented because if Saban went to the Dolphins right when his program was really getting good because in 2003 he signed the number one class and in 2004, the February before his last season, he signed a number two class. So those two classes were were in the program for years. So yeah, he'd, he'd have won with those guys, and he'd have kept recruiting. In fact, when he left LSU, there were about ten offensive linemen that were headed to LSU. About you know ten highly ranked linemen, and they all went elsewhere, including uh, Michael Orr. You know the blind side. He was coming to LSU before Nick. Left and the only lineman that that they got that they kept was Saran Black from that from that group. So, yeah, I, I think he'd have won you know probably as many national championships at LSU as he has at Alabama. And that would be an amazing thing to see, Glenn. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Okay, thank you. All right, that was Glenn Gilbo part of OutKick, also author of a book that I honestly, he sold me on already because, one, dude's a phenomenal writer. I remember reading him, hell, back when I was in middle school. That's how long he's been in this game for, in this area. Love ha- love hearing his point of view on a lot of different things. But, again, the book Everything Matters in Baseball, which is part of Acadian House Publishing. Go ahead and check that out. Like I said, AcadianHouse.com is where you can get this. And if you're here in the area, obviously, there. I actually was Googling it during the break because I was like, maybe like during the interview is to see where it's at and if they're open right now and they're not. But I'm like, maybe one day this week I'll wind up get myself a copy in my hand because honestly, I want to read that thing cover to cover after talking to him. Again, I can remember reading Glenn Gilbo's columns back in middle school on the Daily Advertiser when the Daily Advertiser actually had more than like three pages to their to their paper. That's a little shade there, if you will. Going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, I got my five faith picks to click. And, brother, 
your boy was in a damn good mood last Sunday morning when I saw that those picks to click last weekend did indeed cash. We'll talk about that when we come back and more to wrap up our number one. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Live yet and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's time for my Fave 5 picks to click. And we'll recap last weekend for a quick moment. Because last weekend, your boy hit it. The five-leg parlay cash for the second month in a row. How about that? On July 16th, to kind of recap, was the first parlay since we were able to start betting legally that your boy hit. The five-leg parlay finally hit after a long time of us just missing out on certain things, your boy hit last weekend. And to recap, had the Mets over the Phillies. Mets won one nothing. The Dodgers destroyed the Royals. Had them at minus two sixty, thirteen to three win. Yankees Red Sox. I had under nine runs, and the final score was three to two. Thank goodness we didn't have a late rally. That said, San Francisco Giants were the final leg that I was waiting on, and thankfully that game was like a speed run type game. I think that ended in under like two and a half hours and the Giants beat the Pirates to nothing and the Carolina Panthers were the final leg of that parlay or the first leg depending on your perspective of when things kind of go live at certain times but the Panthers beat the Commanders 23-21 so your boy netted $61.28 with a five leg parlay now let's go ahead and get into this week's picks to click we'll start with the MLB I'm going to go ahead and take the money line on Red Sox-Orioles. I'll take the money line for the Boston Red Sox at minus 125 against the lowly Baltimore Orioles. I'll go San Diego Padres at minus 295 against the Washington Nationals. I'll go the Deuters with a minus 275 odds against the Miami Marlins. And then we're going to go a couple of UFC fights because tonight is a big old fight night. UFC absolutely having a big one on tap. UFC 278. And we're going to start with the main event. Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards, the square off between those two, the sequel. I think it'll be a lot like the first go-round. And Usman, one of the best fighters in the game today, is leaving with a dub, and he is at minus 320 odds. And the final bit of picks to click, I'll just say the first name because it's probably the only one I can get right, and that is Marab. He's going to take down Jose Aldo at minus 135. That's the picks to click for this week. Again, recapping. Kamaru Usman, Boston Red Sox, 
Padres, Dodgers, and Marab. We got two UFC picks and three MLB. Wasn't necessarily feeling all that keen on NFL preseason picks to click for this weekend. Maybe I would have if some other games were on tap. A little bit tough, but again, it's a $5 parlay, and if that hits, your boy nets $37.54. I really, really hope that one hits. That said, I've got some other picks to click that I might unveil next week because I've got a few other parlays on tap that are, are some picks to click for futures that I think you'd be interested in. At least that's the way I think. But our one, it's in the rearview mirror. When we come back, we're going to do our top fives. We do top five segment to open up hour number two. And top five this week. And I want you to join in on the conversation as well. Because trust me, I'm sure your opinions are going to differ a little bit from yours truly's. And that is top five worst Saints draft picks of all time. Of all time. Throw them down. Give us a call. 337-706-0111. We're getting to that at the top of the hour. Also, got Bob Rose coming aboard. We usually have Ross Jackson on, but I know he was out in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I wanted to make sure I didn't bother him if he was going to be making the flight back to the Crescent City. So I decided to go ahead and call out the guy from the bullpen. Get get Vaughn out here. And Vaughn is our guy, Bob Rose. Going to talk to him in the next segment. So keep it locked right here on the game. 103.7 Live. Get in a 104.1 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. <laughs> 